Let us pray. Dear God, we come here this morning as we are. And being as we are, probably each of us is experiencing a conflict, a relationship where there is tension or disagreement in our lives. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us this morning and would guide us so that we might know our next step. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We have a friend who chooses... Excuse me. We have a friend who chooses her next novel that she's going to be reading by going to a bookstore and uh, choosing a stack of books and then reading the last page of every novel. Now, I find that completely unbelievable. Because for me, one of the great joys of reading a novel is being surprised, right? And no surprise if you read that last page. But when it comes to reading a devotional book or a theological book, reading the final page or the last chapter first actually makes a lot of sense. And I do it all the time. And maybe some of you who are in Barry's class right now went to his last chapter and read it first to figure out where this whole book would be taking us. There's no need for a spoiler alert in this kind of reading. Knowing where a book is going actually helps us to get more out of it right from the start. So in the book that... Excuse me. So in the book that we're reading together these eight weeks, John Paul Lederach's Reconcile, let me tell you exactly where we are going. For Lederach, reconciliation isn't just some pretty quaint part of the gospel. Reconciliation is the gospel. Reconciliation is the gospel, period. And in each chapter, he's going to be exploring with us what this means through a particular story in the Bible. And today, our story is the wonderful story of Jacob and Esau. As I read our book, one word kept on jumping off the page again and again for me. And it is the simple word, toward. Toward. Lederach says that the whole Bible culminates in the story of God moving toward our world in Jesus Christ. God moves toward us, he says, to mend and to heal what has long been torn apart. And the beautiful thing is that this is not only God's mission, 
But God now invites us to join God's mission and to participate in this same ministry of moving toward others ourselves. By God's example through Jesus, we too are called to move toward human troubles, toward the mess of humanity, toward suffering, and toward the pain in our world. This is how the beautiful alternative of God's reconciling ways can actually be seen and experienced and believed. We can all talk about this, but when it's lived out, when people see it, that's when they begin to believe. And dear friends, what is God's ultimate goal in all of this? It's a big goal. Colossians 1.20, the reconciliation of all people and all things. And that reconciliation of all things is all of creation, which also has a, an environmental aspect to it as well. So these next two months, dear friends, I invite us to hold that one word toward in our hearts. Walk through your life holding that word in your heart. Let's say it together. Toward. It's one of those difficult words that when I was teaching my Chinese students, they would stumble over. Toward. Because we live in a world that so often runs away from, not toward, but away from those who are suffering and those who are vulnerable. And so Ledrock says, we need to choose to move toward those who have experienced the deepest division and separation because this is God's mission. And this is Christ's beautiful example. And here's the clincher for the whole book, dear friends. Whenever we do this toarding, Whenever we do this, God promises to be with us in a very special way. Some of you may remember Kenny Rogers' song back in 1978. Some of you probably don't. Called The Gambler. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. you got to know when to run. And for most of his life, Jacob plays a high-stakes game of cheating others out of what belongs to them, hightailing it out of town, and then profiting handsomely. As a young man... Jacob cons his twin brother Esau out of his birthright with a steaming bowl of lentils. 
Must have been really hungry. Then with the help of his brother or his mother, Rebecca, and a goatskin disguise, he tricks his father Isaac into giving him Esau's firstborn blessing. Wow. In response, Esau is enraged, furious, and vows to kill and murder his brother. He's been tricked out of everything that is really precious to him and humiliated. Humiliated in the eyes of his community. And Lederach says that this deep sense of humiliation in a conflict, we've all experienced it, haven't we? That feeling of shame that we've been given through something, through some experience, this humiliation is often the greatest obstacle to reconciliation. Because it leaves deep personal and social scars that are not easily healed. In conflict, our first impulse is invariably to move away both physically and emotionally, from the source of our pain and anxiety. Amen? And so what does Jacob do now? He runs. He folds his hand and he escapes Esau's murderous rage by running to a faraway land in northern Syria where his uncle Laban lives. Notice the tremendous cost of Jacob's trickery. He is now completely separated from his entire faith community. And indeed, his parents will die without them ever being seen by Jacob again. Huge cost. But here's where the mystery in our story begins. We now discover how conflict can often be the mysterious venue for surprising encounters with God. The first one happens for Jacob while he's fleeing from his brother and he stops in the town of Bethel. And there he has a dream in which he sees angels. We heard this story as as children. Angels ascending and descending from a ladder from heaven. And when he wakes, Jacob suddenly has a profound epiphany. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. This is... The gate of heaven. I want to give you that verse. Genesis 28, 16. Genesis 28, 16. As we walk through the streets of our city, may we also begin to say, the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. This is, wherever you are, the gate of heaven. 
Now you think after such an amazing epiphany for Jacob that Jacob finally would come to himself to deep reflection and repentance and reorientation. But even many, many years later, we still find Jacob up to his old tricks. Through a creative sheep breeding program, that leaves Laban, now his father-in-law. Do you really do this to your father-in-law? Not a good idea. Leaves Laban with all the feebler lambs, and you know who, with all the healthy ones. It's after two decades of exile that Jacob now finally begins his long turn toward his brother Esau. Lederach says that this turn toward one's rival or one's enemy is one of the most holy and crucial steps in reconciliation and one that can never be forced on anyone. Why? Well, he goes on to say that in the church, we do great harm when we impose reconciliation upon others early and because of spiritual obligation. For true reconciliation to happen, he says, this move toward the other needs to arise deep from within. From a deep internal shift and transformation. And for Jacob, it begins when he hears God say to him, return to the land of your ancestors for I will be with you. And as we know, there's no going back to the land of the ancestors without also going back to Esau. And I have to wonder, isn't this one of the reasons that we all avoid, well, maybe we don't all avoid conflict, but many of us do. Isn't it because it invariably forces us to see things about ourselves that we'd much rather avoid? You know, if I tell you how you have wronged me, I get to hear how I've wronged you. And that's hard. And it's sometimes painful. Especially if you're Jacob. Jacob's been doing this kind of avoiding his whole life long. And so I find it so fascinating that precisely when he's on the very brink of finally meeting Esau, that Jacob now has his famous overnight wrestling match with an unnamed opponent. Who is that opponent? Is it Esau? Is it Jacob's own deceptive self? Is he wrestling with himself? Is it God? The answer seems to be yes to all three. 
Genesis 32.28 says that Jacob has striven both with humans and with God. And it's a wrestling match that wounds and blesses him deeply. I wonder if that's maybe a paradigm for conflict, that it wounds but has the hope of blessing within it. It's after this all-nighter that Jacob now looks up in our text that we just heard and sees Esau coming. And we learn that Jacob is greatly afraid and distressed because Esau is not coming solo, is he? He's coming with what looks like a murderous throng of 400 men. And for the very first time in his life, Jacob cannot fold his cards and he has nowhere to run. And so he tries to play the hand that he's been dealt the best he can. And he strategically divides up his company into two groups, hoping that at least the one at the back with his favored wife will survive. And he sends ahead a lavish gift for Esau of 540 sheep and camels and donkeys. Imagine that. 540. But when the two finally meet, Jacob greets his brother with seven bows and sprinkles in a my lord in almost every sentence. Very deferential. But Esau steps over Jacob's past injuries, around his flattery, through this herd of gift animals, and stunningly falls on Jacob's neck and kisses him. And he doesn't say, my enemy. He says, my brother. My brother. I already have everything I need. And these twins who once shared their mother's womb now freely share their tears of joy. And you just have to wonder, over those previous 20 years, what kind of inner journey has Esau been on? How does he work through his earlier humiliation and pain and loss now to be able to extend such amazing grace to Jacob? It's one of the great questions that remains a mystery for us. What happens? And for Jacob, you have to wonder if this might be the first time that he's actually really seen his brother and deeply looked into his eyes and into his soul. This encounter is so holy, so shot through with God's presence, that Jacob now exclaims, to see your face is like seeing the face of God. 
Imagine being in a conflict and someone saying that to you. Conflict, when redeemed and transformed, becomes the holy place of encounter with God. And you see what this means when we try to avoid conflict all the time. And boy, do I ever. How about you? When we avoid conflict, we miss these experiences of deeper understanding and deeper communion with those around us and with God. For one brief shining moment, it seems like a brand new, beautiful future is opening up before these brothers, doesn't it? But alas, our story now takes a sad turn as we watch Jacob slowly shrink back from Esau's grace. After our reading today, Jacob rejects Esau's invitation for them to journey together. And then he also spurns Esau's offer to leave men behind for his protection. In the end, Jacob just can't seem fully to trust his brother. And because he can't, there's never any happily living, they lived happily ever after. Genesis 36.6 tells us that in the end, Esau makes his home in a land some distance from his brother. Some distance from his brother. And here we learn that reconciliation is almost never just a single one-off event, is it? It needs continued tending, continued care in order to flourish and to reach full flower. Let me close this morning with a challenge for us all. Throughout this series, let us not simply approach the material that we are working with as religious consumers, letting it go in one ear and out the other. But let us instead intentionally engage this material as disciples of Jesus. People who are wanting to grow and to train in the reconciling ways of Jesus our Lord. And toward this aim, if you open your bulletin, you'll see that every week, We're going to be invited to prayerfully choose one of the experiments in reconciliation prepared for us by our experiments team here at East Chestnut. Craig Dalen, Janice Sensnig, and Jay Parrish. In a time of silence now, let us slowly read through these three experiments and invite the Holy Spirit to draw us 
to one of them. Not all three. Well, you can do all three if you want, but choose one at the very least so that we might be equipped with some new attitude or skill for our shared ministry of reconciliation. Amen.